Thank you. Oh, good morning. Ah, it's good to be here. Anybody notice that the uh, sun's getting up earlier and going to bed later lately? Yeah, yeah, that's the second coming of spring. Yeah. Well, I like February sun. Uh, it, it's different than January sun, in my opinion. Uh, I don't know why. Probably just because it's longer, but it seems like it's brighter. It's just another example of God's unconditional love for us. The promise of things better is right there. Let's talk about unconditional love. Let's start right with the beginning for unity. There's only one power, you might say this with me, but there is only one power active in the universe and in my life, God the good omnipotent. That is the first principle. God is unconditional love. Today we're going to talk about the practice of conditional love. But God, let's start with God. Because God doesn't need a practice. God is an infinite and eternal source and abundant supply of unconditional love. And we are all born and sustained in the embrace of that love. That's the beginning. You know, in Matthew chapter 6, I'm just going to paraphrase this, but it says something about the birds of the air and the lilies of the field and how God's taking good care of them. And if He's taking good care of them, how much more would He be focused on taking care of us? You know, are we any less important than they? No. I don't want to say we're more important than either, though, because unconditional love doesn't have favorite children or birds or plants. Everything is love the same, completely, fully, beyond imagination. We'll come back to that. But in my opinion, my mere existence, or your mere existence, our mere existence is evidence of God's love. The abundance of life around us is evidence of the unlimited and unconditional love. I mean, nothing at all. So sometimes you get a little hung up in being human. It's a good thing. We are. But human brings with it all sorts, like we have gravity that keeps us grounded. You know, in spirit, it's our heart that keeps us grounded. But in the human world, it's our weight. <laughs> Because that's what keeps us tethered to the planet. But, but our spiritual essence is not that. Our spiritual essence is of God. And in our spiritual essence, that's why when I meditate and I encourage others to close your eyes. Because once you close your eyes, you're in the infinite. And when I open my eyes, I look around, I notice today for the first time, maybe, how nice those sconces are. And as I just look around, I thought, you know, what a beautiful space that love has created here. One of the reasons why you guys are here, because isn't it nice? And I don't know how it all happened. It didn't all happen at once. It wasn't just one person's love. It was everybody's love coming together, building upon it, building toward that idea of unconditional love. But so when we close our, when we open our eyes, we see sconces. But when we close our eyes, we see the infinite. So in spirit, we are absolutely able to experience unconditional love. And I'm sure each and every one of us has and does do that. Maybe not all the time. 
But this is the gift of the prayer, especially the time where we go into the silence and open our heart to God. You know, that's, that's when we are connecting in that meditation, heightening that experience of the infinite. I think sometimes it's hard to fully appreciate the gift, the presence, and the power of that love. Again, this is where our spiritual self is, yeah, we're all about that, and our moral self is like, yeah, I can't be real. I don't deserve it. We distract ourselves with all these ideas we have about ourselves Sometimes we're clumsy <laughs> in our approach to love. So you got to keep coming back to the truth, which is that we are that love unconditionally by our Creator, who is both the maker of us and the presence in us. So the first thing about self-care, caring for yourself, Caring for yourself, not, not so much caring about yourself. Because caring about yourself can be a distraction <laughs> when you become. But self-care, caring for yourself, it, it, this is the this is the proverbial oxygen mask in the airplane. Because it's from caring for ourselves and letting that love fill us up and knowing in our hearts the truth that allows us then to be able to care for others and to share and express and reflect that love out and to give it away. You can't really give it away. It just multiplies. It increases. So in spirit, we experience and practice unconditional love. But as I said, in our mortal expression, it's more challenging. So. We aspire. I love that word, aspire. You know, it's, it's a good word. Like that. We're reaching for the heights. We aspire to live, to move, and breathe as expressions of the infinite, unlimited, unconditional love of our Creator. But in practice, we are constrained. We're constrained by the limits of being mortal, by gravity, and by confusion in our consciousness. So, the fact of the matter is, is that I think my love that I express and share is primarily conditional. I think there's moments when I'm in deep meditation and I'm holding an idea in my intention about world peace and, 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 and just the connection I'm trying to feel to God and the fact that I'm trying to affirm or not trying, but being in that feeling of we're all one and, 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 and trying my best to just feel that unity. I do think that in that moment of spirituality, I am loving unconditionally. And I think you do too. I know there's moments <laughs> that I feel like I'm actually loving conditionally in practice. Um, but I think I'm always falling short of what's possible. But I don't want you to be discouraged 
because it's actually those glimpses. And so where are the, when are the glimpses? Well, you know, it might be just, uh, what's that word when things are like obvious? But babies. I think of babies. Like a lot of the experiences where I have felt intense love has been around babies and children. And I think I connect to the, the innocence aspect of the love and see how, and, and I think there's a part of me that's saying, I used to do that. And while I'm saying I used to do that, I'm forgetting that I still am. Because you see, that's where I get confused. I forget that I am that innocent creation, that being, that, that discoverer of this really amazing thing of life. The other time that I get glimpses of unconditional love, usually it's safer, I guess, to love animals than it is to love people, because it's usually about a dog. And okay, so I, as I think about things I want to say, I realize, I, well, not everybody here is a dog person, but for some of you it might be goldfish. <laughs> Notice I didn't say cats. No, no, cats are great. For some people, it's cats, and, and obviously, from what I've seen on, on the internet, but for some people, it's boa constrictor, which boggles the mind. They've never read that part about the Garden of Eden, they don't realize all that. But, but I think there's a, a message there. Once again, to me, these little feelings where we do feel the freedom to love without limit, and like I said, it's a little bit safer to love a pet, especially a dog. I don't care what you do to that dog, the dog is going to love you. And this is, you know, they always say that the dog is G-O-D backwards, you know. There's merit to that. I'm a little biased toward dogs. See how that paper towel stuff reaches in all the time? But I also, as I, as I said, as I start to think about what to say, so hey, make sure that you open up your mind and your heart to seeing that all people have different ways that they love. But I, I do think that if you look at your life, you're going to find, I forgot, I'm not supposed to go that way, these parts where, yeah, I really, listen, the love up here is limited from here. <laughs> no love past this line, okay? <laughs> well, no, I think it has to do with the folks that are not in the room, and when I go over there, it's like a dead spot. So I, we're, I'm not sure where I'm looking, but for you folks that are on camera, I believe I'm doing it for you, but we never know about motives. That's part of the conditionality. All right? So, that was fun. Um, so, before I'm thinking, what is the purpose of life? And I thought, you know, it's, we're not that good at love, I think. I mean, I, I think like if, if like PhD is unconditional love, we're probably like somewhere between preschool and kindergarten in, in, in learning how to love. But but there's no stopping us from trying. Uh, to me, it's not discouraging to say that we're so early in our development because it just means there's so much potential of what it could be like. And and I think you know in this room. It's above average. You guys are like woebegone children. You're all above average. <laughs> but I'm serious about that because we kind of just feel the collective energy that's going on in the world right now. 
there's a lot of conditional love going on. If you don't act this way or be this way, I mean, you know, it, it, anyway, I don't want to get into all that other than to note that, you know, when you come to a place like this, this beautiful place, this Wisconsin, you are also like making this commitment to be in a, a higher state of life. And, and I, what I think is that this is the purpose of life, for us to spend this time in our human being form, learning how to be better at loving. And I think the whole journey is great walking down this balance beam, this narrow edge between intimacy and boundaries. And for me, you know, you want more intimacy, that means more vulnerability. But if you go too crazy without boundaries, you leave yourself in a position that's not safe. Now, I want to make my caveats right away. Step back here from like the foundation. Spiritually, it is always safe. There is nothing to fear in spirit. There is only unconditional love. But we don't live in spirit. We are spiritual beings living as humans. And in the human world, it's necessary to have boundaries. You can't open your heart. Well, I've seen this happen. You don't want to open your heart as much to the cashier at Walmart as you might to your spouse or partner. But I have seen some people think that maybe I should. <laughs> no, I mean, sometimes. <laughs> but, but, okay, so I wanted to give you a model. Uh, I wonder how many of you, when you were younger, or still do, I don't know, had a child, uh, had a child, had a toy that was made by a company called Fisher Price. They made a lot of toys, especially you know the most annoying one, the parents, the popcorn machine. Pop, 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 pop. Right? This is not the popcorn machine. It was a little white, I think it had a little round bottom, but it was a platform and a post up the center with a little knob on top. And then around it went multicolored, kind of like lightsabers. Little rings that looked like lightsabers. There's a yellow one, green one, red one. I don't remember all the colors. Bigger, smaller, smaller, smaller. There might even be a little ball one on the top. How many people have one of these? Or have seen one? Or can visualize it? So, in the story, the, uh, the toy is white. You know, the, the foundation and the thing. But in, in honor of February, I'm going to just pretend it was red. Okay? Because to me, that center part of the toy re- re- represents unconditional love. It is both the foundation and the core of our being. And it is the thing we go back to, to self-centered. To self-centered by coming back into connectedness to Christ's love. Meanwhile, we're having this little game we're playing. <laughs> Mr. Price was emulating it. Well, we put the rings on. Now, the big ring at the bottom, that's the people most dear to you. Okay? And then as we go up, it's people you know, people you encounter, and even people you've never met. Because there's no limit. Like, do I love everybody on the planet? Sure, but I think I can. Like, I don't have to know them to love them. I mean, I see a story about, on the news, about a person who's having some type of experience, good or bad, in Maui. 
I have feelings for that. Special interest stories, they call them. I'm not running over there to fix any problems or anything, but I still care. So I think we do love everybody. I think we can't help on some level but be connected to every single person on the planet. But I'm not investing in as much of my intimacy in the people living there as I am with my wife or my son or especially my dog, Cookie. So, you know, at different levels, so it's interesting, at the bottom you have the biggest, broadest ring. It actually has the fewest people in it. But it does have the widest boundaries. The, the width represents where I'm, how, how vulnerable I'm going to be with the people in that group, the people that I trust the most. And so I don't have to have as much boundaries with them as I do with people that I randomly encounter on the street who may have a grimace on their face, and I'm wondering, what are they thinking? It's natural, right? I don't think in a human form we have the capacity to just be open with everybody. If we are, not everybody has the best interest at heart. And I don't mean to say that as sometimes still a Debbie Downer saying that, or Lucy Downer. But I just think it's pragmatic. It's, it's, it's the practice, you know, practical Christianity, the practice of conditional love. So, but with that in mind, you got the model. Now the question is, well, we don't want to just say what it is. The question is, we want to practice conditional. Why? We want to get better, right? So, I, I don't. Know, I hope you do. Hard for me to accept that you'd be in this room this morning, listening to me, if you weren't at least interested in the idea of getting better at your loving. Good thing, just in time for tomorrow's Valentine's Day. By the way, uh, I'm going to talk about that a little bit if we have time. But there's a lot more to love than Valentine's Day. So, if anybody thinks, oh yeah, I forgot about this part. You know, I said that part at the bottom is people that are dearest to us. And then somewhere along there is your family. <laughs> I know I love them. I just don't know how much time I want to spend with them. I got some boundaries, you know. And I, I say that because, you know, I, even when I think, like, you know, I think the whole practice of love, you know, we, we live our life. We, 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 we couple up. We partner up. Maybe. I know not everybody gets to have that. But I think most of us get a chance to at least take a stab at it. Might be the wrong metaphor. Um, or get stabbed by it, right in the heart. But, but family, I mean, I've met some families, and, and, and I, I, I like most of them, a lot more than mine. But, um, no, I, I, I skip a little bit. But, but a lot of times we, we create a family. It's not always our birth family. But we create our own family because we end up being attracted toward the people who have the love and energy that resonates with ours. And, you know, it's best to hang around with the people that can help you lift yourself up. You know, and, and if people are, are, are not encouraging that, then, you know, a boundary. <laughs> you can love them, but just, you know, don't let them get in the way of you loving. Which leads to talking about the difference between self-centered and self-fit. Remember, a Fisher-Price toy, you know, when you get out there and you're, you're in the, 
your mind feels of loving, and you start to feel a little lost, what do you do? You come back to center. That's where Christ is. That's where Jesus is. Well, Christ, consciousness, as expressed by Jesus, but the, the Christ is there. So that's when we remind ourselves, I'm okay, I'm loved, I'm important. I don't have to be more important than anybody to be important. So Oscar Wilde, that other great Christ figure of mine, um, I get a lot of wisdom from Oscar. Um, you've heard me say this before. Selfishness is not living as one wishes to live, but do what you want to do. That's part of loving yourself. And, and also, just trying to come into alignment with what your spiritual purpose is for being here. you got to go for it. You can't, no one can tell you what your purpose is. Nobody. Maybe if you're like Steve Martin and the Jerk, you'll find it in the phone book. But, but selfishness is not living as one wishes to live. It is... It is Asking others to live as one wishes to live. Everybody's got to do what I want them to do. That's selfish. Not doing what I want to do. Why did that go on? But I read more about this um, than I read before. I'm going to share it. So, unselfishness is letting other people's lives alone. Not interfering with them. Do what you want. You know, sometimes as parents we make that mistake of taking love as doing too much for our children or telling them what they can and can't do or be. That just leads to therapy. But here's something I think I see happening that I say that there's more uh, love. As long as we're not falling trapped to only loving the people that love the way we want to love. But selfishness always aims at a uniformity of type. Whereas unselfishness recognizes infinite variety of type as a delightful thing. Accepts variety, acquiesces in it, and enjoys in it. So one of the great ways to practice loving is to see people as they are and love them for who they are and celebrate them for who they are, even if it's completely something you would say, I would never do that in a million years. After thank God they're doing it. I don't have to. That's what, you know, just learning to be comfortable that not everybody has to agree with me. Most people don't. I'm hoping eventually most people will. But, so, okay. Just a couple of things that we come into is examples of the, in the Bible of, of conditional love. Anybody ever hear the story of the prodigal son? Well, the prodigal son goes off. He does all sorts of things. The, the sibling rival, remember I mentioned that? The brother's not happy. Because he stayed home and did the right thing. And then, prodigal son comes home. What's the father do? Throws a party, right? He is so happy. Oh my God, this person I love so much has come back to center. We'll kill the fatty calf tonight. You see, the father was closer. Oh, the father was closer. <laughs> To unconditional love than the son. But the story, the son did his job because the story is to help us see an example of how we can become more unconditionally loving. That's what we get to practice. We've got our whole life to practice, and there's a pretty good chance to get longer than that. I hope. I believe. Anyway, I have a whole bunch of different examples about um, 
different ways we encounter unconditional love. You know, like like at three in the morning when I feel the wet nozzle on, on the muzzle on my shoulder, sometimes my cheek. Somebody wants to go outside. It ain't me. <laughs> I was even thinking about this talk the, the, the last night because. For some reason, you know, it was like 50 degrees or something. A couple days ago, all of a sudden, it's 20 degrees. And my body's like, oh, I just kind of chill. But Cookie wanted to go outside. So I put on my coat, and I went out there, and I was just un- unreasonably cold. I was very, very cold. I was just like, oh. And, and she is just patrolling the ground. Security is one of her primary jobs. And she's just sniffing every deer track in the yard. And I think maybe she had to go. But she's not going. She's just going. And and I'm sitting here like getting a little bit impatient. Like, come on, man. And I thought, okay, the winner of my love just hit it. You know, the girl needs some time to do her work. Can I open my heart up enough for her? I'm learning. I'm learning. You're, you're going to have challenges, even today. I bet each and every one of you have a challenge where somebody's being cutting in line or being inconsiderate or that long line of traffic the other day when it's like, why didn't you stop and let me go through? It, it's going to happen. It, it might happen with a family member. I don't know. So I'm just going to jump ahead. I promised I would talk about arrows. Uh, last time I saw you. I'm not going to kind of go into too much detail. I just want to say that this about it. When I was younger, and I was involved with different churches, I always got kind of feeling that Eros love. Is, I'm only talking about this because Valentine's Day love. You know, the truth of the arrow. Cool. So, I was taught to kind of judge that kind of love, you know, because that was sinful. Don't even ask me about Hudson, Ohio. But... <laughs> Whoa. But when I started studying it, you know, Plato basically said, this is this passion inside of us, this, this energy we get, it's a God-given energy. And yes, it can be dissipated physically. But what, what Plato is wanting to say is that really this energy can be converted into going way beyond the initial. You know, it starts out as a meet cute in the rom-com, but eventually there's this deep love and all these things. So, Eros is really way more than just the arrow in the heart and the smitten with love. Plato takes it to the point is that it becomes the universal force that moves all things for peace, perfection, and unity. It goes deep on this. We maybe talk about this in a different talk. I want to give you three ideas to take with you today to expand your practice of conditional love, getting better at it. Number one, stay spiritually centered. Embrace the presence of conditional embrace the presence of unconditional love. To keep you knowing in your heart that you are right where you need to be and appreciated for being there. Number two, risk loving. Partners, children, friends, all human beings, all beings, all life. Risk it. And finally, live your life. Because your time on earth is your most precious gift. And I guess that brings us to the 
the uh, spiritual practice. I guess we got the word practice a lot today. But um, I didn't give you any warning, did I? Sorry. So this is... What's that? Oh, I sure did. But that's okay. Don't you worry about it. Um, I just wondered what love rule did I just break? I, I mean... I didn't mean to, I didn't mean to show you up. I, I you know I do that so easily. Like what do you mean? I did? No, I'm gonna give it to you. So first of all, in John it says, "No one has greater love than this to lay down one's life for friends." I'm gonna interpret that a little bit just to say that the most precious thing you have to give to anyone is your time. It's the most precious gift you have. Period. Use it wisely. Use it frivolously. But recognize that it's the thing that you're doing. So time is your life. So no greater gift to another than your time. So what I want you to practice, how many times does someone say to you, hey, could you get me such and such? And you say something like, or just a minute. Now, there might be a valid reason for you to say just a minute, because you might be right in the middle of brain surgery and you need to show that up before you're done. But most of the time, it's just a preference in your little mind of calculating love that you say, my priority comes before you. I'm going to make you wait. Even though you fully intend to do it. And then, a lot of times you forget to do it. And then, okay, so what I want you to do is, when you catch yourself, where someone asks you for something, and you intend to do it. And if you don't intend to do it, just say no. And Save them the suffering. But if you do intend to do it, don't delay in doing it. Do it immediately. If you catch yourself saying just a minute, just evaluate. Am I saying that just so I can preserve that I'm in control of me and you can't make me do anything? Or some other variation on that. Whatever it is. Just just respond quickly. What can I do to do it? And see how you feel. I believe you're going to have a spiritual experience if you do this. I've been practicing. Sometimes my conditions are more demanding than others. So that's not what I encourage you to, to practice, to practice your conditional love. Thank you.